Hey, Cornerstone, how you guys doing? Uh, hey, we're right in the middle of a conversation, actually kind of on the back end of a conversation, wrapping up uh, a deal called Bump. And if you've been around, you know where this thing came from. It came from the idea that when God's Word and our lives intersect with one another, that God's Word would actually bump us or nudge us in, in correcting our course in life or altering our trajectory in life. And we've kind of spent the last couple of weeks kind of unpacking the book of Proverbs, at least some of the major themes in the book of Proverbs together. And, and let's just be honest. I mean, a couple of weeks cranking through the book of Proverbs isn't going to dissect the whole book, right? And, and even be a little more honest than that, I mean, the topics that we've dealt with, like fatherhood and, and some of the stuff about the words that come out of our mouths and the people that we surround ourselves with and, and guarding our heart and even today's issue of anger, I mean, those are big conversations that, that aren't nailed down in just one talk. You know, and so the challenge really has been this, that, that we would kind of breeze through Proverbs for you and kind of hopefully pique your interest in this deal, and, and, and that you would go back to God's Word on your own and begin unpacking this for yourself, and, and that you'd begin dealing with God's Word on a daily basis and, and getting the Proverbs into your life. And you've even heard us say out loud a couple of times, hey, that if you, if you take a, a chapter of Proverbs every single day, you can crank through the whole book of Proverbs in a month and truly be a great way to spend your year just unpacking this stuff and, and, and over and over and over again dealing with the Proverbs and the truths that are in there and getting that in, into your life. And that's kind of where this conversation has come from. And, and as we kind of land this thing today with this issue of anger, the truth is we all come to this conversation with all kinds of preconceived ideas of the movie of our mind of what anger looks like. You know, I mean, most of us, you know, we think of anger, and in our culture that we live in, we associate anger and aggression together. We've kind of married those two issues together. And so when we flick on the, the five o'clock news, and we see like all this horrible stuff going on around the world with wars, and we see all this stuff going on in the world with, with you know, kids bringing guns to school, and, and workers bringing guns to work, and, and domestic violence, and those, that's, those are kind of the pictures that usually conjure up on the five o'clock news for us of what anger looks like, because we've brought anger and aggression together and married those two things together. But, but the truth is, if, if you're breathing, you've experienced anger. This is part of the human condition. I, I mean, if you're a parent and you've ever had to referee a 15-bout uh, match over a toy between two of your children, you know what anger is, you know? I mean, if you're married and those cute little idiosyncrasies of your spouse, they, they used to be cute and endearing, but now every time she clicks her nails, it just drives you batty and up a wall. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Or, or maybe you're a schedule person and, and your schedule kind of gets thrown off for the day and it just totally wigs you out. Or maybe you're a fly by the seat of your pants kind of person and one of those schedule people start raining on your party and it just totally irritates you. Or, or I, I know, maybe have you ever lost to an eight-year-old in wee bowling before? Yeah, you, you know what anger is if you've ever lost an eight-year-old in wee bowling or wee boxing, you know. Or Ikea. You ever put together Ikea furniture before? That stuff is from the devil. I just, if you work at Ikea, I'm so sorry. I'm not, you, ever, you go to Ikea and you see this beautiful, huge piece of furniture, like, oh, that would look great in my living room, right? I want that one. It's a great price. And they bring it to you in this little box like this, right? And it fits in a bag. And you're like, okay, how does this come out of this? And you get home and like four hours later, you've got parts left over and it's all wobbly. And it's just, it's, it's irritating. Or like me, one of my pet peeves, honestly, is a drive-through, fast food drive-through. You ever do fast food drive-through and you order one thing? I mean, you like you say it twice because they don't hear you the first time, and then you give them your money and they give you food. It's just the wrong food. And you ever done that before? I mean, I, there's a McDonald's on my way from my house 
to the office, and, and every once in a while I'll swing by, and, and I'll grab a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, and a cup of coffee, and I'll sit down to my, to my desk early in the morning, and I'll start cranking through emails, and kind of get an early start before everybody else gets in there, and it's amazing. There's this miracle that happens between McDonald's and my office. What used to be a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, and is now just a sausage and egg biscuit. The cheese is gone, and um, what I got to know is this. How many of you are the kind of people you would just eat it anyways? Okay, how many of you are the kind of people, you're going to turn around and go get cheese on that biscuit? Okay, Th- that's me, I'm the go get the cheese guy. Okay, that's, that's just how I'm wired up. So you, you guys get, this is just part of the human condition. Anger is something that we, we all experience. And the truth is, if you've been around church world a little while or Christianity, uh, I'll be honest, I don't think that the church has really handled this issue really well historically. I don't think we've taught to this issue very well historically. Um, I, I think a lot of churches, generally speaking, they, they look at anger and say, ooh, that's bad. You should suppress it. You should overcome it. You should get victory over it. You know, you should figure out how to deal with it because if you express anger, you're an out-of-control kind of person. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty sinful. And, and that's kind of the attitude that, generally speaking, churches had towards anger. And, you know, I don't know if that's actually a real biblical view of anger, to be completely honest with you. I mean, what if I told you this? What if I told you that God created you to get angry? What if I said God created you to get angry? Some of you guys are getting angry because I said that, you know? It, it's, like, it's like this. If you look back at the Old Testament, you look at God, it's interesting. You read through the Scriptures, you'll find over and over and over again these certain phrases kind of peak up in Scripture about how God's anger burned against this group of people or this particular person. I mean, it's interesting. You look at how God acted even, and you get, you know, Adam and Eve, they do something dumb. He boots them out of the garden. A couple of hundred years later, God, God, the Scriptures say that He's literally sorry that He ever made man, and He decides, I've got a good idea. Let's wipe them out. Let's have a flood. And He saves like one family in a boat, you know? You, You see over and over again, like, fire raining down from heaven and wiping cities out and the earth opening up and swallowing people up and plagues and pestilence and all that stuff. Kind of a far cry from the little pansy God that we usually have in our mind of what God looks like. And then God decides to put skin on and Jesus is walking around. And it doesn't really just change with the Old Testament to the New Testament. And Jesus gets angry too, like in the flesh. And you can go back in each of the gospel accounts, there's this story that you'll find where Jesus absolutely gets livid and freaks out on some people. He's, he's going to the temple, not a weird thing for Jesus to do, but as he's walking into the temple, he sees some people, some vendors, selling some different animals for sacrifices. Again, that wasn't really that weird of a thing to do. I mean, the Israelites would come, and according to Levitical law, they would sacrifice whatever particular sacrifice they had to, whether it's a couple of pigeons or a dove or a lamb, or whatever the sacrifice was according to the law. And you don't carry pigeons around in your pocket. You buy them from the pigeon vendor, you know? And so that wasn't that big of a deal that they were selling those things there. What it was a big deal Jesus got really mad about was those vendors were taking advantage of God's people. They were extorting God's people. They were selling stuff for way more than they should be selling stuff and taking advantage of the opportunity. The scales that they were using weren't even fair, balanced scales. And Jesus absolutely freaks out. He gets so mad that he doesn't react immediately. It was really interesting. He took enough time to go and make a whip. I don't know how to make a whip, but Jesus did. He, he makes a whip and he walks, and dudes, I mean, he's calculated about this. I mean, this dude's fuming. He's so mad, he's calculated. He makes this whip. He walks into the temple, and he's cracking this whip, shouting and screaming, throwing tables over, the Scripture says, and chases these guys out of the temple. And so when I say God created you to be angry, 
What I mean is this. God created humans in his image, which means you and I bear a lot of the characteristics and capacities that God bears. In other words, you and I, the fact that you and I have the capacity to get angry and anger is a normal part of our life, shouldn't really surprise us because as being made in the image of God, anger is a normal part of God's existence as well. Where you and I get into trouble, it's not the fact that we get angry. Where you and I get into trouble is how we express our anger. We get ourselves into all kinds of trouble when it comes to that. In fact, let's start getting into the scriptures a little bit. If you get your Bible, if you turn right to the middle of your Bible, you're probably going to find the book of Psalms. If you turn to Psalms chapter 4, verse 4. Psalms chapter 4, verse 4. And then we'll start, you know, unpacking a little bit of uh, the Proverbs together and see what Proverbs has to teach us about anger this morning. Proverbs chapter, excuse me, Psalms chapter 4, verse 4. This is going to be familiar to some of you guys who've been around church world. Uh, the Apostle Paul actually kind of quotes this verse a little bit later in Ephesians as he's writing a, story, writing a letter uh, about how we should treat one another. Psalms chapter 4, verse 4 says this. It says, Don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. I want you to notice something here, what the Scriptures don't say. The Scriptures don't say that anger is sin. Scriptures don't say that it's wrong to be angry. In fact, the Scriptures don't say that you even shouldn't react. They do say and they do teach us that where you and I get into trouble is when we respond the wrong way to anger. They do say that we get into trouble when we allow anger to have control over us, when our lives are marked by anger. You know someone that pops into your head and you think, oh, that dude's an angry guy. He's always like freaking out and he's, you know, just flip of a switch, the guy's angry. It doesn't matter. It could be like at a red light or a stoplight or someone cuts him off on the 202. It could be the waitress brings him the wrong, you know, food or something like that, but something just sets him off. You know this kind of guy? It's like a, you flip a switch and it's like 0 to 60 in 4.5 seconds kind of a deal. That you look at that guy and you go, that's just an angry guy. His life is marked by anger. I know some young ladies that are exactly the exact same way. Nobody can make them happy. They're not happy with themselves. And they're mad with the world. Nobody can make them happy because their life is marked by anger. The issue is not so much anger, but what we, what we do with it. It's kind of like this. Um, we get to it a different way. How many of you guys like sleep? Yeah, right on. That's why you're all here at this service instead of the 8 o'clock service. I like sleep too, just as, next, as, as the next guy likes sleep. Last night, my five-year-old daughter makes her way into bed about one o'clock in the morning. I get woken up with a face on my hand. Kind of cute, kind of not. You know, the little kid breath and everything is like in your face. And it's kind of hot and stinky. And it's just like, you know, on one hand, I'm like, oh, I want to cuddle with my daughter and have her in bed. It's really sweet and everything like that because she's not always going to want to do this. But and then I, on the other hand, I, I just want to sleep. I, I just want to go to sleep because I got to teach today and that whole deal. You know, the deal is this, it, sleep's not bad, sleep's not wrong, there's something wrong with sleep, but where we get into trouble with a normal, natural, God-giving desire that we have, what He made us for, where you and I get into trouble is where sleep turns to laziness. And guys, we don't need Satan's help with this, we do this pretty well all on our own. You know, let's just be straight up, right? I mean, food, I like to eat, in fact, one of the reasons I work out is so I can eat more, you know, and so you do too. So the deal is this. There's nothing wrong with food, but people get themselves in all kinds of trouble with food by eating too much, by eating too little, 
And Satan can take a normal, natural, God-given desire and inkling that we have, and he can twist it and pervert it, and man, we can get into all kinds of trouble with that issue. Sex, same thing. God creates sex. God creates sex for us. Normal, natural thing. It's a gift from God. And you guys get the deal. I mean, you guys don't have your head in a hole somewhere. I mean, you know that our world has absolutely perverted and, and, and distorted what, what intimacy is supposed to be like in the bedroom between a husband and a wife. And it put it on public display to be misused all over the place. You, you guys get sex isn't the problem. Food's not the problem. Sleep's not the problem. Anger is not the problem. The problem is when we misuse those things. And honestly, for some of us, it's Satan messing with us. For the majority of us, Satan doesn't need any help, man. We're pretty good at botching that stuff up all on our own. So you guys get what I'm saying? Anger's not the issue. The issue is how we handle our anger and what we do with it. So you got your Bibles open to Psalms. Turn just to the right just a little bit over to Proverbs chapter 29. And we'll crank through just a, just a handful of verses that Proverbs talks about anger. And the truth is we can't get through it all because there's literally verses about anger littered all through the book of Proverbs. It would be interesting for you guys to go back and do a study just on this issue out of the book of Proverbs. But, and as you do that, and as we look at this, what you're going to see, and probably what you've seen for this whole conversation we've been in called Bump, is this compare-contrast kind of thing between a fool and a wise person. And, and, and Proverbs basically is it's a clarion call for the church to grow up. It's a, it's, a, it's a call for people who follow God to, to grow up in their faith and move from immaturity to maturity. And that's kind of the picture. you got this dad writing this letter to the son saying, Son, listen to me. If you listen to me and grow up a little bit, things can go really well for you. And so you're going to see some of that here as we talk. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. It says, A fool gives full vent to his anger. An immature person goes off at the flick of a switch. A fool gives full vent to his anger, doesn't think about it, doesn't consider it, doesn't wait, doesn't back up and try to figure out what's going on in their heart. They just react immediately. Foolish people, immature people do that, the Scripture says. But wise, a wise person quietly holds it back. Go on down to verse 22 in the same chapter. It says, a hot-tempered person starts fights and gets into all kinds of sin. You know this kind of person? They think they're always right. They're mad about everything. You say the wall is black, they say it's white. They they just want to argue about everything. You know that kind of person? A hot-tempered person starts fights. They start arguments, man. They do. You can't have a real just plain conversation with a person because they got to argue about everything. And Proverbs is littered with with verses like this. You, You flip on over to Proverbs chapter 22, just to your left, just a little bit. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24 the, the scriptures are so serious about this issue of anger that the author goes so far in verse 24 of chapter 22 to say this. He says, keep away from angry, short-tempered people. And he goes so far as to say, if you know someone who's angry, you know someone who's short-tempered, stay away from them. Don't even go near them. A, you're putting your life in danger, which is pretty dumb. Two, the next verse tells you, you hang out with that kind of person, you're going to learn to be like them. Finally, flip on over to your left just a little bit further. Proverbs chapter 14. 
Proverbs 14, verse 29. And again, this is just a real quick brush of, of Proverbs because, I mean, there's just so much stuff in here about this. It says, Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper make mistakes. The mature person, the wise person who understands what's going on inside of them and can take a moment and step back before they respond. The person who knows how to use anger well is pretty mature. The person, the person who flies off the handle and who's a slave to their emotions and a slave to their anger, the Scriptures defines that guy is going to get into all kinds of sin and all kinds of trouble and make all kinds of mistakes because of his foolishness. Because people respond all kinds of different ways to anger. You know this. There's different personalities. Some people try to pretend that they don't get angry at all. They're the kind of person where they, they start feeling like a little tension or something like that, and, and they run to do the dishes. And if they're really upset, they do those dishes really fast and really hard, and those dishes get real clean. Or they run to clean the toilet, or they run outside to pull weeds or something like that, and they're trying to avoid the situation. And because they, in their mind, have married aggression and they've married anger together, they think to themselves, and they've literally fooled themselves into believing that I'm not angry. I'm just, I'm a little irritated. It's no big deal. I'm fine. I'm just doing the dishes, honey. No, I love you. <laughs> and they literally have fooled themselves into believing that they're not angry because they're not yelling and they're not screaming and they're not throwing things and they're not hitting but anybody. And because they fooled themselves into believing that anger equals aggression, they think they're not angry. And they bury their anger. And I guarantee you one day that it'll catch up to them and their anger will bury them. This shows up in all kinds of anxiety. It shows up in all kinds of stress. It shows up in high blood pressure. It shows up in people having heart attacks. It shows up in, in strokes. When we misuse our anger and we don't deal with it properly, it gets us into all kinds of trouble. Other people, they are the flip of the switch kind of people. They just explode. You know, they, they come home, they're mad at their boss, they kick the dog, they throw things around, they yell at their wife, they yell at their kids. They hit walls. They hit people. And after this big, huge, giant eruption, things start to cool down a little bit. The temperature starts to fall. And all of a sudden, they realize what they've done. And, they, and you start hearing things like, oh, baby, I'm, man, I'm so sorry. I'll never, never do it again. I'm, man, I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? That person is an idiot. They are. Don't listen to them. Scriptures tell you to stay away from people like that. They do. And this person, if this person's in this room, and my bet is they probably are, because there's a bunch of people in this room and we all deal with this differently, you know by firsthand experience that anger expressed through aggression can ruin your marriage, can alienate your children. can wreck all kinds of things in life. I've seen guys lose their jobs over anger expressed this way. Some people don't do that. Some people turn their anger in on themselves. They get mad at themselves. They kind of blame themselves for everything. You ever know somebody like that? They, they start telling themselves lies and buying into those lies, and they start saying things to themselves like, man, I'll, I'm not good enough. I'll, I'll never measure up. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. You know, I'm not worth anything. It's all my fault. And anger turned inward on yourself, man, that leads down a road of depression. 
and all kinds of inner turmoil and pain. It can ruin your self-esteem. And, and, the, and the real kicker in that whole deal is this. I mean, if, if, you're a, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are literally, the Scriptures would call you, a child, a son, or a daughter of the King. That's who you really are. That's your real identity and your real personhood is wrapped up in Him and being related to Christ and adopted into His family. And when you turn anger in on yourself, you start believing things that are simply not true. Sin. And you live your life from a, from a, pro, from a direction and, and you start living your life on a trajectory that's absolutely counter to the direction the Lord would want you to go. Some people, some people, they just, they don't process anger in real time. They just kind of stuff. They don't deal with it, I mean, at all. They just kind of stuff. They ignore it and ignore it and ignore it and ignore it and ignore it. And, and this is the kind of person, if this is you, you, you know this right off, because this develops into a, a rut of, of, of bitterness in your life and resentment and hate. And eventually, if it's not dealt with it, properly, turns to contempt. And contempt will wreck every relationship you have, including your relationship with Jesus Christ. You will lose the capacity for relational intimacy because you're so frustrated inside and so wrapped up in bitterness and contempt because somewhere along the line somebody hurts you and you haven't dealt with that. In fact, there's some of you well into adulthood. You're married to people like this. You have friends like this. Well into adulthood, you're tracking all that stuff well into adulthood, stuff that happened years and years ago that hasn't been unpacked. And man, I'll sit across from the table at Starbucks and talk to men and women about this issue, and inevitably somewhere in the conversation they'll look at me and they'll say, Paul, dude, can't, can't you just like pray and like, ask God to give me victory over this thing? Can't you just pray and ask God to step in and like take this, all this anger away from me? And I'm like, yeah, I could. And yeah, God's big enough to where he could do that. He could totally come in and change and the, the, the posture of your soul and your heart and what's happening inside of you. But I think what most people fundament, fundamentally miss out on is it's, it's you and I who hang on to the keys of freedom when it comes to anger in our lives. That there's a huge role of personal ownership involved in this issue in our lives. I mean, people will look at me in the same conversation across the table from Starbucks and they'll say, Paul, you don't know my wife, man. She does this and she does this and she nags and all these, you know, they'll come up with a grocery list of stuff. Or it's, I don't, you don't know my husband. He's a jerk and he yells at me and all this stuff like that. Or you don't know my boss. And if they would just stop doing that, I could stop being angry. It's their fault that I'm getting angry. And I want to say, really? It's really their fault that you're getting angry? Huh. They have that much power over you that they can determine how you feel. Hmm. I mean, you mean you set up your friends and relationships that you have in the place of God? And now they have control over what happens inside of you, and you're submitting your inner life to them, not to God? I didn't know that anybody could make you feel that way. Here's something for you to get your mind around. There is no correlation between how people treat you and what happens in your heart. 
There's not. People cannot make you feel angry. They certainly can't make you respond a certain way. You do that all by yourself. We're responsible for what happens inside of us. If we so choose to dethrone God in our lives and put someone else on it, that's us, not them. Truth is, if you start digging around on this issue of anger, you're going to find a couple things beneath the surface, kind of driving it a little bit. Kind of if you get beneath the anger and start asking the question, well, hold on a second, why am I getting angry at all? There's really only a handful of things. I'm not going to get to all of them. I'll just give you a couple real quick. There's really only a handful of things that really drive anger. One of them's hurt. I already mentioned it. Hurt. Somebody did something. Somebody said something. Somebody neglected you. Someone forgot something that was really important to you. Somewhere along the line, someone gave you a dirty look did something just cruel to you, and now you're hurt. And it's a natural defense mechanism. It's, it absolutely is a natural defense mechanism. When someone hurts you to kind of get angry, that's, it's normal to respond that way. The problem is, if you get beneath that anger, you find out what's driving it, the issue is hurt. It's not an anger issue. You know what the heart of that whole thing is? Is there's a forgiveness issue that's going on. That someone has hurt me somewhere along the line, and I'm still so daggone angry about it that I can't get to the point where I need to forgive them. And, and God doesn't need to deliver you from the anger. God needs to speak truth into your life, and the scriptures need to speak truth into your life about what forgiveness is. And, and guys, I'm telling you, God has offered a beautiful model of what forgiveness looks like. Because the truth is, you and I know exactly what we're made of and how desperately we need Forgiveness from our Lord. And so you exchange hurt for forgiveness. For some of us, it's fear. It's, it's fear of losing our job. It's fear of someone else getting that promotion. It's fear of what if, what if they really find out what's going on. It's, it's, it's fear of, you know, what if she really doesn't feel the way she says she feels? What if my kids do this? What if this? What if that? What if? And all of a sudden, this fear of all this what if stuff, we start getting angry about it, man. And you get beneath that anger stuff, and what, you really don't have an anger issue. You've really got a trust in the faith issue going on. And God knows a little something about faith. For some of us, it's control. And let's be honest, most of us, we like our world the way we like our, our world, right? I mean, that's why in marriage, people argue about whether the toilet paper goes this way over the roll or under the roll, right? Or, or the toothpaste, whether you squeeze it or roll it. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? But, I mean, the first two years of your marriage, you argue over all these stupid things that, that don't matter at all. But it all comes down to control at, at the whole heart of it, right? We like things our way. And it's interesting you bring these two different people together into one life and into one home and into one marriage and relationship. It's really interesting how those worlds begin to collide. Now you, you play that role out when, over something that really matters, like career path and, and sex and finances and children, and all of a sudden, I mean, you've got an environment that's primed and ripe for a, an emotional charge and anger, all because we like things to be our way and be in control. And when, when that control feels threatened, all of a sudden, we, we get angry, man. It's not an anger issue, it's a control issue, and that person needs to learn submission to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that at the end of the day, God really is in control, not us. Three years ago, today, my wife and I got married. Three years ago? 13 years ago. 
Did I really say three years ago? I'm looking at this thing. It says three minutes to go in the sermon. They're giving me a countdown thing right here. Shut up, Paul. <laughs> I'm going to go over. I'm just going to tell you guys. <laughs> 13 years ago today, my wife and I get married. And uh, you know, there's, there's these little moments in marriage where these real clister, crystal clear moments that you remember like everything, what you're feeling, what's going on in the moment, everything that's around you. We come home from our honeymoon to this little upstairs uh, attic apartment. And um, it, to give you some context, I'm paying 250 bucks a month for rent. It's a furnished upstairs attic apartment. So 250 bucks, it kind of gives you the context of where we were living in the, in the city. And not the best place to be living. But we walk in and getting her stuff in and unpacked and everything. And my hat, my hat belonged on the doorknob of the bedroom door. That's where it lived. And that's where he, he belonged. And, and my wife comes in and decides that she kind of walks over there nonchalantly, and grabs my hat, tosses it innocently to the bed, and puts her purse where my hat was. Okay, now anybody who's married knows it's like go time right now, right? I mean, that, that's, that is my hat. Your purse doesn't live there. My hat lives there. And, and I, I got to be honest, guys, the first two years of mar- my, my marriage I, I, were probably similar to your first two years, too. I was really surprised, really surprised by what happened inside of me those first two years. I mean, I, I found myself saying things and doing things. I'm like, oh, my goodness, where's that coming from, right? I mean, I, I, this issue of anger, honestly, was a real issue in my life for those two years. I had to do some real serious work and, and get into God's Word and, and with prayer and repentance, get this stuff in my life and get it to bump up against me and nudge me and change the trajectory of my life. And I tell you all that to, to say this. I know that anger is a human deal that all of us deal with. And I know there's people in this room that right now, as we're talking about this, there's elbows flying and there's looks being given. And I know that. I, I do. Because it's, this is a human issue. Say, so let's say this, guys. God is not done with you. God is not done with you. God's heart and desire is to shape you and mold you into a man or a woman that is holy and set apart for his use and is who's conformed in the image of his son. And God is not done with you. If you can learn to turn your hurt in for forgiveness, if you can learn to turn your fear in for trust and faith, if you can learn to give up control and submit to your Lord and realize that He's in control, I'm telling you, if you begin to do some work inside, and that's the kind of work that God does in His Holy Spirit and His Word, you can change. It is possible that the Lord, through the power of His Holy Spirit, can absolutely radically change your life. And what if we did that? What if we did that as a community? What if, what if we decided that, that, okay, we're going to stop being foolish with this issue, that we're going to grow up and become wise. We're going to mature as a community and use this thing of anger well and properly. I mean, God gave us this capacity for a reason. It wasn't to express it poorly. God gave us this, this, this capacity and this thing called anger so we would look at stuff that's not right in the world and go after that. I mean, if you look at what God got angry with, you look at what Jesus got angry with, it was always over stuff that needed to be changed and fixed and that was wrong, and he brought righteousness and holiness to the situation. I mean, what if you and I started to get angry about the right stuff? 
I mean, what if we got angry over the fact that for most of us, our marriages are a shadow of what they should be? And with tenacity, we went after getting that right. What if that got us mad? And it motivated us and prompted us towards action and holiness. What, about, what if we got angry that for a lot of us, our kids are going down a path that's leading them to a train wreck? And what if we got angry about that and, and we started living out our faith in front of our children so clearly and in such an attractive fashion that they wanted what you had? What if we got angry about some of the habits that have been developed in our lives that are wrecking our relationships with other people and wrecking our relationship with God? What if we got angry about some of the sin stuff in our lives and we went to work on that? What if we got angry over the fact that it's a little more stunning that 26,000 children will die today, one every three seconds, due to hunger and preventable causes because of poverty? What if as a church we got angry about that and we did something about it? Because what if as a church we got angry but the average age that a young lady gets involved in prostitution in the Phoenix area is 13 years old. What if we got angry about that and we did something about it? What if we got angry over the fact that our coworkers and our neighbors and the majority of our friends don't know this Jesus that you and I know and love and follow? And they'll spend eternity separated from him in hell. What if we got angry about that and did something about it? God did. He sent his son, Jesus. Those are the kind of things that ate God's heart. That's why God gave us the capacity for anger, so we would bring holiness and righteousness and truth to a broken world. Not so we could misuse it and hurt people or ourselves. Proverbs 14, 29. Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. I wonder if you've got the courage to grow up a little bit, to move from foolishness to wisdom and this issue in your life. As anger is a normal part of the human experience, what you do with it, that's up to you. Let's pray. Father God, the truth is this issue is not an easy issue for us. I mean, even the best of us blow it on this one. But God, I pray that through your spirit in this moment that you would affirm those who need affirmation from you. God, I pray that you'd give us courage to give you access to our hearts at this moment, Lord, to give you the pri privilege and the permission to walk around and point out areas of our heart and our inner life that need to change. God, that you bring conviction where conviction needs to happen. God, I pray that as a community of people that we would learn to trade in our hurt for forgiveness trade in our fear for trust and faith. To trade in our sense of control for submission to a really good God who knows what's best. 
God, I pray that in this moment you would do what only you can do, and that's change hearts and lives. And I just ask that you give us the guts and the courage to let you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.